Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that is called to challenge, encourage, and disciple the people of God. Uh, today, again, is November the 11th, uh, 2020, and we find ourselves in the book of Acts. Last time we were together, uh, we were in Acts chapter number 28. Acts chapter number 28. Uh, and it says, and when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. Uh, today, that island is called uh, is called Malta. Uh, it was inhabited by the Phoenicians. I would assume today it's the descendants of the Phoenicians. Interesting, the name Melita, if you look it up, it means refuge. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain. And because of the cold, so they were barbarous. In other words, um, barbarians is, uh, but it doesn't mean the same thing that it means today. Today we call someone a a barbarian as an insult. Uh, you know, it means that you know they're savages, they're uncivilized, they're uncultured, they're cruel. Uh, kind of like most of our major cities in the United States today. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, the word just meant uh, someone who did not speak Greek. Uh, they spoke an intelligible, unintelligible language. Uh, and when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened onto his hand. Uh, and when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer. Whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. So, you can only imagine people of this island, they only knew him for a brief minute, and I'm pretty sure they could pick out the ones in the orange jumpsuits and, and the ones with the weapons. <laughs> I don't think they were wearing orange jumpsuits, uh, but uh, I'm pretty sure they could tell pretty quickly uh, that uh, these guys were prisoners. Uh, and uh, so, they just assumed that uh, they were murderers. Uh, why else would they be on this ship uh, being under heavy guard uh, by these, Rome, these Roman centurions? Um, so they believed in what we would call karma today uh, in the Hindu. comes from Hinduism, just basically teaches what comes or goes around, comes around. Uh, you escaped, ha, now the snake's got you. So obviously... Uh, you deserve what you got. And then in verse number five, uh, and he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen and fallen down, but suddenly, but after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said, ha, ah, he's a God. <laughs> Man, talking about the fickleness. Now they're sitting back, they're waiting for Paul to fall over dead. Uh, didn't happen, so now he's a deity. Uh, you remember Paul and Barnabas were in Iconium back in chapter number 14, and they had done this healing, and uh, well, first they, they were preaching, and um, they thought that uh, Paul was Mercurius because he was the spokesman of the two, and, and Barnabas was Jupiter, and uh, then they did this healing, and uh, all of a sudden uh, they were gods. And they would have made sacrifice to them until Paul stepped in and said, no, don't do that. Um, and then in verse number seven, 
And in the same quarters were possessions of the chief men of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of the fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in, prayed, and laid his hands on him and healed him. And when this was done, also, which had diseases on the island, came and were healed. I can't help but think that God saw these people and knew that they needed a touch that only Paul at the moment could give. And uh, he used Paul to uh, minister to these people. Um, again, it goes back to that quote. I think it's, it might be Finney who said, uh, you're, you are uh, immortal until God is through with you. But certainly, I believe that you know, we when God wants us to do something, He's going to have us where we where we should be, um, and to minister to us if we're walking in His will, we're where we need to be. I used to take that approach as a pastor. I would always say, you know what, God, I'm going to teach through the Word of God, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to wait for all the backsliders to show up and preach a, a topical sermon on backsliding. I'm not going to wait for the non tithers to show up and preach a uh, message on stewardship. Instead, I'm just going to trust that you got the people sitting where you want them to be when you want them to be there. And uh, I'm just going to teach through the Word of God and allow it to, to work. I, I, I just believe in the authority of the Word of God. I believe in the power of the Word of God. I believe it is, it's a two-edged sword. It pierces, it divides us under the bone from the marrow. I mean, just preach the Word of God. No word spoken We'll, we'll return void. I mean, just preach the word of God. Trust the word of God. I think a lot of preachers today really don't do not trust the word of God. They think that they need to get involved and start manipulating the situation. I don't. I could be preaching something totally off topic, and someone will come up to me and say, "Oh, that just ministered to me. That just touched me. That just spoke to this area of my life." And I'm sitting there thinking, well, "Ma'am, that text didn't have anything to do with that." <laughs> <laughs> I've had people come up to me um, much more angry. Uh, who told you? You know, how did you know? I I spoke to the, I, I spoke to you about that in confidence, you know, or something like that. Um, you know, the spirit has a way of cutting. Uh, Pastor Chuck Smith used to say that the word of God is a two-edged sword. With one side, uh, it will it will gently slice you so that it can heal you. But the other side can bring judgment to you if you don't heed. Um, very apt uh, description for sure. So here we see Paul uh, healing. And again, I think that the sign gifts, the, the uh, manifestations of the Holy Spirit that was accompanied by Pentecost continued to stay active and viable until the rejection was final. Uh, and once the rejection was final, uh, which I believe was no later than 70 AD, uh, those things stopped. Uh, and for, like I said yesterday, for thousand, 2,000 years, we're done without them. And then all of a sudden, the Great Awakening, um, Brush Harbor revivals, the Pentecostal charismatic movement was born out of that. So... So God left everybody alone for 2,000 years, but then just, you know, decided to give us, because this is Joel 2.28. This is the final days. This is it. He's poured out his spirit on us. Again, Joel chapter 2, verse number 28, 
is not about the body of Christ. Uh, it is about the nation of Israel, Pentecost, and the offering of the kingdom and the sign gifts that would accompany that offer. Once that offer was retracted, so were uh, the sign gifts to go with it. I, I really believe that now. I, you know, there's no, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not twisting scriptures and trying to make them say something they don't say. I mean, that's clearly to me uh, what happened because we'll find out later that Paul in first Timothy four twenty he had to leave Trophimus and Miletum sick. Um, and I find it, I find it interesting that here he's healing people on Miletum and then years later he can't heal Trophimus in the same place. Um, remember Trophimus was the one that they accused going into the temple with him. They said he blasphemed the temple by bringing in the Trophimus who was the Ephesian. Um, and then notice who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. So obviously they were very, uh, accommodating. They were very gracious, especially it sounds like Publius was a prominent member in society. Plus the other people, they were, they were very, uh, very happy with what they did. So they were very grateful and they showed it. Um, I kind of joke, uh, when I go preach at churches, um, and I find the older I get, the less uh, opportunities I get to do that. Maybe it's because I've become, um, I guess I've become a little more dogmatic about um, mid-acts. Of course, I, I, you know, I don't, you know, when I go to a church, you know, like a Calvary Chapel or a Baptist church, I'm not there to, I'm not a, you know, a fire starter or a gas lighter. I mean, I don't. I, I steer away from stuff like that. I don't try to purposely divide the, the pastor from the congregation. I try to keep it general. You know, I try to go with the things we do believe together. I don't major in the minors. And, and you know, this is not, you know, like I've told people before, this is not, this doesn't affect your salvation, whether or not you believe the church was started in Acts chapter 2 or you believe uh, Paul was the first one saved in Acts chapter 13. I mean, come on. Um, you know, it's just a disagreement as to where the Bible should be dispensationally divided. I think it becomes a big problem when, and we're going to go into the book of Galatians next, when so many today are mingling the gospel of the kingdom with the gospel of grace. Uh, in other words, they're trying to mix law and grace together and they end up with nothing. Um, They'll preach, you know, you need to repent and be baptized to be saved, uh, which is kingdom gospel. And then they'll turn around and say, but it's by grace you're saved through faith, not works, lest any man should boast. Yeah, but you just told me I had to repent and get baptized. Uh, you know, you told me I had to walk a walk that was worthy. <laughs> Again, we mix it. And I think that's where we get in trouble uh, because people start thinking, you know, that that, uh, that repentance or, um, you know, their baptism, they're going to church, their good works, they're a good person, uh, all that stuff saved them. I mean, that is what the preacher taught. That's what the preacher told them. You know, no, the only thing, the grace gospel is believe, period. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That is the grace gospel. Believe. Now, that, that may happen on the fifth line of just as I am at the end of a sermon, but it's probably going to happen during the message when that dear one says, you know what, 
I believe that. There you go. <laughs> you know, the whole altar call situation was set up by the Wesley brothers as a way to track conversions and to promote follow-up. Um, but it's not. Now, Jesus never said, uh, for all you red-letter Christians out there, uh, every head bowed and every eye closed and no looking around. Uh, Jesus never said that. He said, you know, just follow me. <laughs> and, of course, to that point, Jesus never preached the grace gospel. Uh, Jesus preached the kingdom gospel. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and be baptized for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Those were the first words out of John's mouth, first words out of Jesus' mouth, and first words out of the, out of the, out of the, the twelve's mouths when they were sent out. Jesus never preached the gospel of grace. Um, but uh, we just need to follow him. Uh, we don't need all that other stuff. So we do get in trouble when we start mixing the two for sure. And again, those that run around saying they're red-letter Christians, they're confused Christians. Uh, and after three months, we departed in the ship to Alexandria, and we wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. Pollux. This verse makes it obvious that they stayed there for three months. So they were on this island for three months ministering to these people, uh, which means this would have been around January, February, because remember when the ship uh, hit, it happened during the Euroclidon season when the Northeasters were coming up, which would have been September, October, into September, around beginning of October. And now three months later, we find ourselves in January, February when they departed. Now, interesting when it says, and they wintered in the aisle whose sign was Castor and Pollux. Um, the names here, um, the word part of that, Pastor, let me see something. Uh, three from hence, we fetched a compass. Yeah, there you go. Um, these names here, um, pardon shipped out and wintered in the aisle whose sign is called, um, I'm trying to make sure whose sign is called Ship of Alexandria under the aisle whose sign was called Pollux. I think that's how you pronounce that. Um, but these uh, names here, in Greek mythology, they were known as the twin half-brothers. Uh, they were called the Gemini twins. They were, uh, they were known as Zeus's sons. Um, so they were regarded, this, these two, Castor and Pollux, they were regarded as the patrons of sailors. Um, you remember, for those of you that are maybe older, St. Elmo's Fire. Um, uh, they were regarded as the patrons of sailors to whom they appeared as St. Elmo's Fire, which is real. It's a weather phenomenon in which luminous plasma is created by a corona discharge from a sharp or pointed object in a strong electric field in the atmosphere. And many times when ships were out at sea, um, the highest part of the ship, uh, this phenomenon would occur, and it was called St. Elmo's fire. Uh, and the sailors, it normally appeared during thunderstorms and was regarded by sailors um, as uh, proof that um, the Gemini 
sons or Gemini twins were watching over them, taking care of them. Uh, it was a sign of their presence. Uh, so that was the Gemini twins. And landing at Syracuse, we tarried there three days. Now, when I speak of Syracuse, when he speaks of Syracuse, he's not talking about Syracuse, New York, which, by the way, Liberty beat. <laughs> uh, Liberty also beat Virginia Tech the other day. Oh, my goodness. 38 to 35. Uh, they're now ranked 17th in the nation because of that. So, anyways, just... Uh, Got some flame nation going on there. And from thence, we fetched a compass and we came to Rigium. And after one day, the south wind blew and we came next to Paturi, uh, Putioli. Putioli? Uh, interesting that when it says, from thence, we fetched a compass. That doesn't mean that they picked up a compass and started reading the asthma and getting true north. The word compass literally means that they made a circle. Uh, in other words, from thence, we, we went around. Uh, uh, it, it's not referring to a compass, but a direction. Uh, so it actually means to go around, to make a compass. Okay. Uh, Rigium today is Rigion, Italy. Uh, R-E-G-G-I-O-N. And it's down at the very bottom of the country. It's down in the toe of the boot of Italy. And where we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days, so we went toward Rome. So again, so again, pretty apparent that Paul's arrest was pretty relaxed. I mean, he's not dragging a ball in a chain. And when Paul refers to the fact that I'm in these chains or I'm in these bonds, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm having a flashback of Joe Biden saying, telling people that. Uh, Conservatives want to put them back in chains. <sighs> Calm me down, dear Lord. Um, when he when he talks about him being in bonds and chains, totally lost my train of thought there. He's talking about the fact that he's he's under arrest. Uh, now we do find him in chains, but I mean, obviously he's walking around here with his friends. It's pretty relaxed. Um, then also it says where we found brethren. Now bear in mind he's in Rome. So, uh, or Italy at this point. So, uh, Randy White, who I, I really enjoy listening to, um, I listen to Randy White. I listen to, uh, Les Feldick. I love Les Feldick. Um, 92 years old, I think now. I don't think he's teaching anymore, but just unbelievable Bible teacher. Uh, he, he makes the point of mentioning that we do not know who these brethren were. Were they kingdom brethren or were they grace brethren? But it would seem to be grace, considering uh, their location and where they are. And from thence, when the brethren heard us, they came to meet us as far as Api Forum and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. Now, the Api Forum, according to Barnes, was a city that was about 56 miles outside of Rome. So Paul is making himself to his way to Rome. Uh, and then the three taverns is only eight to 10 miles outside of Rome. So obviously Paul is making a track from where um, the, uh, he's making a track into, into Rome here. Um, notice that he thanked God and he took courage. 
after all, he'd been waiting for this day a very long time. And bear in mind, the book of Acts, a lot of the other New Pauline epistles were written while Paul was in the book of Acts, um, except, uh, I guess, the prison epistles. All the rest of them were written while somewhere in the book of Acts. Uh, in Romans 1, 9 through 11, it says, For God I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son is my witness how increase unceasingly I make mention of you in my prayers that I may succeed in coming to you. So this was an answer to Paul's prayer, the fact that he was able to now be in Rome, but now with no further place for me in these regions, I sense I have had for many years a longing to come to you. So now this is finally happening. Paul is coming uh, to the seat of, of Gentile government. And remember, God said, I call this one to the who? To the Gentiles. And like I said before, I believe that God also used Paul to fulfill the Great Commission, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost. So anyway, uh, this is a new format while I'm on the road. I hope it comes out well. Uh, let me uh, check here, see what's going on. Um, looks like looks like I'm still recording, praise God. So uh, God bless you guys. Uh, let's see, the only one I see there this morning is my brother, Mac. God bless you, brother. Hope you have a great day. and uh, And I'll see you guys tomorrow morning. God bless you.